welcome to the Advisor Inner Circle podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. I am here with my co-host, John Curry, and we are excited today uh, to be talking about, uh, I think, an important topic. Um, and uh, today, John, I, I want to pick your brain. First of all, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. I want to pick your brain on something that, that's important. That'd be uh, Slim Pickens right there now. <laughs> <laughs> for the last couple of years, I mean, you've always been successful. You've operated at the top of, of the industry of, of financial advisors for 40 years. But for the last two years, you have been more productive than you've been since I've known you over the last decade. I mean, you're just operating at this incredibly high level. Um, you know, yes, you've, you've operated at a really, really high level for 40 years, but you've then multiplied that over the last two years. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how you're doing so much business and what some of the secrets are and, and, and kind of dive into that a little bit. So what's the well, secret? What's the one secret? There is, no, there is no one secret. There are a lot of secrets that um, we could call either one of them more important, but they're all equally important. But let's, let's go back in time. When I first started in 1975, all I had was one whole life policy, one term policy to sell. No annuity business, no investment business, none of that. September 13th, 1975 is when I started. So I struggled for several years. Finally, in 1980, I made the Million Dollar Roundtable. Went to my first meeting in New York City at Radio City Music Hall in 1981. And I, I struggled. And I had made the, well, I even told the, the journal agent at the time, if I don't qualify for MDRT in 1980, I'm going to quit. He said, no, you won't, because you're still making more money than anywhere else. But I was prepared to quit. So I struggled, Steve. So people need to understand, just because I'm doing well now, for the past three years at a high level, the the first three years, I was struggling. It was very difficult. Didn't know anybody in Tallahassee. Uh, I'd go over to the local smoke shop, a cigar shop, shake hands with people, introduce myself, and got business that way. Because I didn't have anybody here that could give me a bunch of uh, uh, open doors. But for me, the turnaround was around 1983. I'm sitting in a restaurant. And I said, okay, for breakfast, I've got these three distinct markets in Tallahassee. I've got the business community. State of Florida government, other governments to county and city, but state of Florida and university system, two universities and a large community college. And I kept drawing these circles and I said, okay, what is the common denominator? And then finally, by accident, I had an overlap. And it reminds me of Jim Collins' book, Good to Great Hedgehog Principle, where he talks about, and I did it before I read about it, but it reminded me of his uh, hedgehog principle. And that is, what did they have in common? And what I came up with, Steve, is what they had in common was retirement. For the university employees, okay, I've got this money in my 403B plus my pension plus Social Security, what I do with it. Similar situation with state employees. And then, of course, most business owners left a secure job to start a business and did not have a retirement plan. Uh, if anything, they were eating at what retirement money they had because their business was sucking them dry and they, did, they had used the retirement money to supply the business funds. So that's what got me started on my who. So I focus on three things. And I, as you know, I'm pretty hardcore about this. Who do I want to serve? What am I going to do for them? And how will I deliver it? And it's really four. is who, 
why that person or this person's, what will I do for them and how will I deliver it? That's really the foundation of what got me going on a path that's allowed me to be where I am now at age 66. Well, you, you've done in that little analysis, and I don't know if you knew it at the time, but but you went through a, I think, a critical decision making or, or thinking exercise that in in all the work that I do with with business owners, most don't do. Most will say, "I'm I'm willing to work with anybody," and and I'm I'll never forget. I asked a client this one time. Uh, and I joke about this in webinars and seminars that I teach. And I said, well, what are your criteria for, you know, the type of client you want to work with? I said, I only have two criteria. They got to have a heartbeat and a wallet, you know? And so he didn't go through any of that thinking. And as a result, it was really difficult for him to figure out who he should work with. Well, that uh, was me in the early days. Be honest. That was me. That's most of us in sales in the early days, buddy. Well, you know, it's, I think for advisors, it's particularly difficult because if you walk around with, with that definition that I'm basically looking for any adult that has money, when you walk up and down the aisles in the supermarket, every person you pass is a potential prospect and you can't tell who is and who isn't. Every person you drive by on the road is a potential prospect and you can't tell who is and who isn't. And so you're faced with this impossible problem of, okay, well, there's 7 billion people on the planet roughly as we record this. They're not all prospects. Sure, you take out the kids, you know, and and the unemployed, and I don't know, maybe we got five billion left or three billion left, but that's still three billion people you gotta somehow sort through. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That might be that'd be a mighty difficult uh, selection process, wouldn't it? That's a big problem and a hard <laughs> one to solve. So what what you're really describing is is a way to begin to filter. And you had these three markets. Um, so I get a lot of pushback on this from clients. Nobody wants to pick a niche or, a, you know, an ideal client, as, as I would call it, um, because they think it's too limiting. Like, I'm going to get pigeonholed. I'm going to be put in a box over here. And, you know, you're asking me not to work with anybody else. And uh, first of all, that's wrong. But, but um, the thing that I've noticed is that when – someone makes that kind of a choice it, because they get focus. It almost instantly speeds up their results. Absolutely. And what I tell our clients is, look, if somebody comes waving money in your face and wants to buy from you and they don't fit in your definition of the niche, well, you have a business decision to make either take the money or not. And that's your decision. No, nobody's going to criticize you for it one way or another. But the reason to focus is because you, to, if you want to communicate effectively in marketing and in sales and, and move the needle with someone, you need to communicate in language that they understand that, that kind of keys into the way that they think. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here with um, when you talk about how. So you said who, how, and what. And, and I think between the how and, and the what, that's really what you're going to say to someone, how you're going to communicate with them, right? Yes, but let's, th let's break it down to what I would call the three W's and the H. Is Number one is the who. Who do I want to work with? Number two, why do I want to work with them? What will I do for them? And how will I deliver whatever it is I'm going to do? So let's talk about that for a minute. For me, my number one market, my number one market will surprise most people who are listening. 
is the member of the Florida retirement system in their late 50s and 60s, or they have retired from the Florida retirement system. So that would be state employees, most county employees, school teachers, and also university and community college professors. Now, why in the world would I do that? I want to know. So those are not high net worth individuals most of the time. That's what people think, yes. Because almost every advisor, and I've talked to hundreds of advisors, um, you know, over, over the years, and almost all of them are going after the same target market, high net worth individuals. Correct. However you want to define that, right? So I'm sorry I interrupted, but uh, it just struck me. I was like, wait a second, you're doing something totally different here. Well, I have some of those. I have my, my, my largest client, if you will, as far as account size, has $13 million invested with me. She has $10 million of whole life insurance that she pays for each year. But over the years, one thing I've done, and I still do it, I don't measure the client by the amount of money they have to invest. That's important. If you're a $25,000 account, I'm not going to spend, you know, $1 million account time on you, but I'm going to help you if I can. But back back to the key here, my who are members of the Florida retirement system. If I got a call right now from compliance or the home office saying, hey, you can only work with one market, think carefully, who would it be? Get back to us in 24 hours. I can tell you in 24 seconds, it'll be members of the Florida retirement system. Now, the why. Here's the why. This is powerful part, Steve, that people don't learn. They're not being taught this. The why is because my grandfather retired from the state of Florida, got lousy, i.e. no advice, retired, took his pension, option one, state of Florida, lifetime income, died five years later, less than five years, actually. My grandmother lost that income for the rest of her life. She lived 23 more years. She lost that income. All she got was his Social Security. My dad also worked with the division of, excuse me, with the uh, state of Florida. He looked at that and said, hmm, I'm not making the same mistake that my, my father made. So my, my granddaddy made one decision. My dad made the opposite. He took what's called a joint lifetime income option. So he retired in 1992 at 62 years old. He lived until age 85. So for 23 years, he got less income. But upon his death, my mom got that income until she died April of this year. So who made the right decision? Some people would jump up and down and say, well, the one who took the option one for the maximum did the right thing. He just didn't plan well and didn't have life insurance to take care of his wife. So one day it hit me. I have the ability. I have the passion, the drive, the desire to help these people because of what happened with my grandfather and my father. And once I really understood that, then it became clear to me that I had to help as many of those people as possible. Now, I have doctors, engineers, architects. I got people across the board. But if I'm going to spend my time and my resources going after a particular market, and that's what you're really saying is accept anyone you want, you know, do hell, do the work for free if you want to, pro bono work. There's nothing wrong with that. But have a primary focus because there are indeed riches and niches. So the who, the why, and now the what. What am I going to do for them? I'm going to provide them retirement advice, including 
their pension planning, Social Security, Medicare, required minimum distribution planning. I'm going to look at everything that's involved in this thing called retirement. And a lot of it doesn't even involve my business from the standpoint of a product. Maybe it's on what are your living situations going to be in retirement? What are you going to do for fun? Why are you retiring? And then the next part of it, the how, is how I go about delivering that. I don't do it by myself. I've built a good team around me. We call ourselves Team Curry. So the how is extremely important. All four are important. But number one is you better start with who and then the why. If you figure those two out, you'll get the rest of it. Because once you know who you want to work with and the why, and you're just like excited about helping them, I promise you, you'll be happy. Yeah, and it's such... Great advice that is so often ignored. You know, um, uh, about three and a half weeks ago, as we record this, uh, a new client started with us. Um, they they bought our podcasting service, and um, and in part of that, uh, you know, when we bring a client on, we 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 dive deep into what we would call their ideal client or their who, and. He was in a business that's um, kind of a, a virtual CFO, um, not your accountant, not your bookkeeper. He's going to come in and kind of help you analyze the business and, um, and, and make better financial decisions. Um, and, and he's trying to make that kind of thinking available to smaller businesses that wouldn't hire a full-time CFO. And so he was working with, you know, what I like to call the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker anybody and everybody, you know, because it was a new business. And we got talking and realized he had this affinity with e-commerce businesses because he used to own one. And he had a lot of contacts in that industry. And we got talking and I said, you know, the, the obvious thing that's jumping out at me here is that you have this affinity. I think, and, and you've, you've already told me that that they have this really great need for what you do because that's how you sort of saved your own e-commerce business by, by doing this on yourself first. I said, I think you ought to focus there. That's where all your relationships are. It's going to be a lot easier for you. And I said, don't, you know, it's a business decision. Ultimately, you got to make it, sleep on it, whatever. He came back to me at six o'clock the next morning with an email saying, you're absolutely right. I'm going to do it. He embraced it. And so we're three and a half weeks in, John. And what we've been able to do is revamp the entire message on his website to talk to those people. He's now gone out to his network of people that are in that industry, and he's booked seven podcast interviews with influencers in that industry that he kind of known on you know one level or another. And three of those people have agreed to allow him to come in and present a webinar to their clients about this because he's non-competitive with them. He's coming in with this offer. Well, if we hadn't made that decision to say, we're going to focus on this tightly defined group of who's, he'd be wallowing right now trying to figure out what direction to go in because he didn't have that focus. That's the power of this. In three weeks, he's been able to do that. Well, let's talk about what else you've done too. I call it managing the team, okay? Think about this, your time, your energy, your attitude, and your money. So if you're managing your team, and, and I don't mean team of people, your time, your energy, your attitude, and your money, if you have one specific market that you're going to work with, now you're doing basically the same thing for each person. You're not having to go out and reinvent the wheel. 
That's not cookie cutter. Don't get me wrong, because you still got to get to know each person individually and design a plan for them. But it certainly puts you in a position. I just I just had major surgery last week to have three stents installed in an artery in my left leg, femoral artery. Well, the guy focuses just on a very few things. He's not a brain surgeon. So each surgery is a little bit different, but he knows what to expect when he gets there. So it helps him save time and focus. Okay, what about your energy? There's only so much energy. I have a lot of energy, but there's some things I don't want to devote it to. Okay, so if I'm working with people that are draining my energy all the time and I'm having to relearn everything, that's not fun. Then what about attitude? What if I try to see everybody in the grocery store like you're talking about? Now I'm trying to force myself to make a sale. Well, how does that impact your attitude? Well, you don't feel good. I've heard you say you feel slimy because you've got to make a sale. Well, you don't want to do that. And then the money. Well, it's money going out and money coming in. Because if I've got a clear focus, I'm not wasting a lot of my money. You know, I've tightened up my message to where the only true advertising I do uh, is that uh, on public uh, broadcasting at WFSU, and occasionally I'll run something for some client as an ad because they need something for a sponsorship. But most of my stuff is done in a manner of where even if they're not members of the Florida Retirement System specific, it's all about retirement and retirement planning. Retirement advice is what I tell myself. I don't do planning. I do retirement advice. But I think you know, the word team, if you think of that, folks, managing your time, your energy, your attitude, and your money, well, the more narrow focus you have, the less money you're wasting. That's my view. But, and the truth of the matter is, John, people people overestimate, I mean, vastly overestimate the number of people that they can serve as clients. You know, the, there is this notion of scaling these days in business and nothing wrong with scaling, um, but I, I think it's it's – too much of the focus. I mean, if you're a financial advisor and thinking about bringing on clients, I mean, what's a good healthy number for new clients to bring on in a year in the business, John? What's a healthy number? Depends on who you're listening to. Some people, the, the, the journal agents will tell people they should be bringing in 40 to 50 new clients in the first year just to survive. Some people say you go to make 100 transactions to consistently make money. I don't know what it is. I, I know people who do 10 or 15 cases a year and they're happy. For me, it's always been in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 a year. So sometimes, sometimes in the past, my friend, we'll get into this in other episodes, but back when I was really, really focused on transactions, I was doing as many as 150 to 200 a year. Well, in, in my experience, the 150 to 200 years is pretty far out there. Most people well, most aren't. Be- most people cannot do it. They don't have the they don't have the energy nor the organizational skills to do it because they they waste a lot of time. Well, let's let's just talk in terms of the the forty or fifty a year. You're talking about four a month, roughly. Yeah. You know, um, folks, you don't need to target the whole world to get four people a month. You don't need an endless supply of potential prospects to get four people a month consistently from the day you start in the business until the day you retire, you know, do the math. It's not that many people. So, you know, the, the more you focus, the faster results you're going to get, the easier it's going to be, the less money you're going to have to spend on marketing. And, uh, and, and, and frankly, the better you're going to get at it because you're solving a, a, 
a smaller group of, of problems, they're going to be very consistent for the, that group of people. Well, there's another issue, too. You become a specialist. So you think about this. In my world, what's happening for me? People are attracted to me. They're, they're, Steve, first of all, and I, I have to give you credit for this. You you kind of beat me up that day. Of, you didn't kind of hell. You beat me up about doing podcasts. <laughs> From the standpoint of, hey, you need to do this. I was reluctant. I admit it. I was reluctant. And I hired Steve's service to do it. And I'm glad I did because now I was at Publix. Uh, this is Friday. I was at Publix on Monday and a guy comes over and said, hey, man, you're, you're John Curry. I, I just listened to your podcast on uh, the lady you interviewed about uh, Medicare. I've had others talk about, hey, I, I love the thing about the pickleball lady who retired and plays pickleball. So people are listening. But it, it allows you to become known as a specialist in a key area. Specialists make more money than journalists in, in every profession. But it also allows you to do something you enjoy doing and, is, and you feel good about it because you know, you know this industry or this particular group of people inside out and you become you become like family to them and they with you because you're not just making a sale. You're truly part of their lives. It's powerful. So John, you, when we get into other episodes, I want us to get dig deeper into the what, what is you doing and the how, because I'm telling you right now, and maybe we'll do the next episode. I don't know what you have on the agenda. I'll rely on your judgment for that, but I think we need to start educating people on, what the heck to do and how to do it, because I don't think that our industry has done a good job of that, of getting people in our business to understand what it is that people really need and then how to deliver that. Let's do, we'll do that in the next episode. So tune in for that. So John, you mentioned your, uh, your other podcast. This is the podcast that goes out to clients, potential clients, goes out to, to the market you're serving. Um, you want to tell everybody the name of that? Yes, it's uh, it's John Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. And you can go, I would encourage you to subscribe to it. A lot of uh, advisors have that know me and they tell me they get good ideas from it. But John Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. Yeah, and you can get that on iTunes or wherever you're, you're subscribed to podcasts. So, John, as, as I know we're about out of time here. Um, and I, I, I love your idea in the next episode. Let's Let's get into more of, of the, the what and the how. Uh, you want to give us a 30-second little preview uh, of that, and then we'll wrap up? Absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you the two that I'm focused on right now more than ever. Uh, part of my lunch appointment was about uh, Medicare uh, for a client. Over the years, I've been focusing in on more learning about Social Security and Medicare. Well, what's happening, I see my friends and my competitors even – trying to use Social Security and Medicare as a club to beat people over the head to get their business. And so that's not the way to do it. The what is I'm worried about my health care costs in retirement. I'm worried about will Social Security be there for me? So what are the things they're worried about? What are they losing sleep over? And then determine how to make them feel more at ease with it. And if your product helps, great. That's even better. You'll make money but maybe the answer does not involve your product. But if you're the one that's seen as the expert and you help them, guess what? They'll come back to you with other stuff and they'll tell their friends when they hear something that goes, Oh, John could help them with that. 
And so that's the what. And then the how part of it, Steve, is how do you deliver that? For me, it's with seminars or, you know, this year we've had uh, 98, 99 people uh, show up at seminars. So between seminars, webinars, podcasts, getting them. You're you're not buying them steak dinners either. Oh, Lordy, no. They come to our our building. They come to our training facility in the back of the room. Heck no. I don't do any any meals at all. We just do uh, hors d'oeuvres that come from the grocery store. We don't even go out and have it catered anymore. We're going to talk about that at some point because, I, you know, when I talk to other advisors and they're telling me they're doing all this and I go, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Let me tell you this story about my, my friend, John, uh, it blows their mind. So we'll, we'll talk about seminars at a, uh, at some point here in the, the not too distant future. Uh, John, I think that's our time for this episode. Um, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I'm glad we, uh, we get to have these conversations and I hope they're beneficial for uh, everybody that's listening. And, and if you've found this to be useful, um, what I would really appreciate, it'll help us kind of spread the, the word about this to other advisors. If you'd go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a review, we'd love that. And, and uh, drop us a note. Uh, send an email to podcast at advisorinnercircle.com and that'll come to me and it'll come to John and we'd love to know um, what you think and if you have any specific questions or topics you'd like us to cover um, send those in as well and we'll uh, we'll address them in a future episode and, and a quick comment on that that just popped in my head as you were making that uh, public uh, public service announcement there Steve if there's enough interest in a particular topic we would be very happy to donate or dedicate rather an episode to that because I think if there's something that's on your mind, we don't mind being flexible and covering that because uh, I'm sure Steve would echo this. We get together and we would bounce all over the place like a star, but we come back full circle to the center every time. And we end up usually the stuff we got sidetracked on is what helped us be most productive when we come back to the center. Absolutely. Well, John, It's been a pleasure again. I will see you in the next episode, sir. All right, my friend. It's always a pleasure.